0: The sermon for today is going to be taken from John chapter 1. Now we're going to start at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the Gospel of our Lord. It won't take you much of a Google search to find out what atheists think of our belief in God. For whatever reason, there are a lot of atheists who spend a lot of time setting up websites and writing on blogs to prove to the world that God does not exist. Maybe the fact that they work so hard at it is because they don't quite believe themselves and spend a lot of time trying to convince themselves of it. But regardless of the reason why they do it, one of the basic rationalizations that they have is to say, if God exists, let me see him and I'll believe. You know, Atheists or not, people do want to see God. Every year it seems that at least a couple books come out that are number one bestsellers because they are based on the fact that someone died or almost died and they claim that they went to heaven and, and saw God. Even people that believe in God want to see him. So to atheists, to believers, to anyone out there who desires to see God, let me pose this question. Are you sure you want to see him? I mean, think about the reason why we can't see God. In the perfect world of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had had unique contact with God. He talked to them. God was with them in a unique way. But after the fall into sin, everything changed. It says in Genesis chapter 3, this is verse 8, right after the fall, it says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were ashamed of their sin, so they hid. They didn't want their holy God to see the stain of their sin. They were created in God's image, but that image had been shattered like a mirror. Now, the image that they gave off was so embarrassing that they tried to hide with clothing, but that didn't work. They would be kicked out of the garden, and from that point on, God's contact with man can only be described as separation. And there's a reason for that separation. No one can see God and live. See, it was Moses who got the closest. He asked to see God, and God said to him, Okay, but you can't see my face or you will die. So hide behind that rock. I'll pass by, and I'll let you see my backside. Just think about what happens when a holy angel appears to a human being in Scripture. What are the very first words of almost every angel who appears to human beings? What do they say? Do not be afraid. No doubt part of the reason that people are always trembling with fear when they see a holy angel is the fact that they recognize that they are a sinner in the presence of a holy angel. And that is just an angel. You know, what, what would happen if we would see God? I mean, Even a description of the angels in the book of Isaiah shows that the angels even fly around in the presence of God with two of their six wings covering their eyes because of the brightness and holiness of God. So let me say it again. Are you sure you would want to see him? And here's the thing as much as people may have a desire to see God and be in His presence, our God has an even greater desire to be with us. Since the fall into sin, our God, who should have just abandoned us, continued to do everything to be in our presence and to be with people, but at the same time hiding His glory and His holiness so that He wouldn't kill us. He appears to Moses in a burning bush. And Moses has to remove his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. I mean, God was there, right? His glory, though, was hidden behind a burning bush. Later on, he leads the children of Israel through the desert. God's presence was there, and they knew it, but it was hidden behind a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Then he had the Israelites build the tabernacle and finally the temple. In each of those places, it was the same thing. This would be the place where God was. God would reside in the Holy of Holies, but this was also the same place where people could not go. They knew that. They understood that. It was holy after all. And no sinful person could be in the presence of holiness or he would die. So God hid his holiness and His glory. For centuries, it was always the same. God wanted to be with His people, but couldn't because of our lack of holiness. So it makes you wonder why would God want to hang out with us? We were people who didn't deserve His presence, but He did everything possible to be with us. It was like a Romeo and Juliet affair. You know, God loved us, but we just couldn't be together. God goes to the extreme in our lesson then as He comes closer to us where He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Literally, it means that God tented among us. In the same way that God hid His glory in the depths of the temple so that He could be with His people, so also He hid His glory using flesh and blood. God became man. It's interesting that when Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And it says, and there's some the very well-known verses from Luke 2, it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them, that is the shepherds, and they were terrified. Well, you bet they were terrified. Those sinful shepherds were in the presence of a holy God. Notice what happens when they go to see the baby Jesus. There are no bright lights, no halo over his head, no fear. No, the child looked completely normal. Normal. His flesh hid his glory like a box covering a light bulb, all so that he could live and move among us. His goal in the end was to be with us. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, 100% God, became man. He hid his glory and his holiness so that he could live among us and not kill us but even though He didn't shine and glow and cause people to be afraid, there was one way that He would stick out. It says, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. See, even though His holiness and glory was not visibly glowing, His daily actions of love, kindness, selflessness, showed Him to be someone different than the rest of the people in this world. See every one of us is the exact opposite of grace and truth. Instead of grace and truth, we are what? Self selfishness and lies. We are anger and deception. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? But think about it. Some of you lose your temper. Some of you have sexual weaknesses. Some of you have trust issues. Some of you hold grudges. Some of you are impatient. Some of you are liars. Some of you suffer from anxiety. Some of you cheat and steal. Some of you look down on others and think far too much of yourselves. See, we all have our own internal struggles. And some of you are all of those things, and some of you are some of those things, but all of us try to hide those weaknesses behind a facade of smiles Jesus hid His holiness and His glory behind flesh and blood, but the actions in His life would reflect His holiness. It would reflect who He was on the inside through acts of grace and truth. In the same way our sinfulness may be hidden at times, but often enough our sinfulness rears its ugly head to show the world who we are on the inside in acts of selfishness, hurtful words, loss of temper, patience, lack of patience, And sins that if anyone found out, they would leave us incredibly embarrassed and ashamed. And they are sins that remind us over and over again the reason why we cannot see the unseen God. Even if you are an expert at hiding who you are inside, it doesn't change who you are inside. And that's why God came to dwell among us. He didn't live among us because He wanted to stick out in the sinful world. He lived among us so that He could share His holiness, His glory, and His fullness of grace and truth to the rest of the world. He wouldn't be able to change who we were on the inside by simply doing good deeds and hope that His good example would change the world. That wouldn't work. Our sinfulness was too deeply grounded inside of us. The image of God wasn't just too broken and too shattered. It wasn't even there. Jesus didn't just sneak into a human body so that He could live with us for 33 years. No, He wanted more. He wanted to live with us for an eternity. And so His purpose of living a life of grace and truth was not only reflecting who He was on the inside, it was also a substitutionary act. Look at what it says in verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to fulfill the law given through Moses because we couldn't do it. We couldn't live the holy perfect life that God demanded, so God so Jesus did it for us. One and then there was one final thing that had to be done so that we could live with God forever. God the Father would abandon God the Son, Jesus when he was on the cross. That is he was willing to separate himself from his son Jesus in order to be with us forever. That is the length to which he went. That we could live with him forever. Now, people say that they want to see God. Well, because of what Jesus did, you are going to see him forever in heaven. So, so don't worry about that. Be patient. You'll get plenty of face time with God for the eternity that we are going to spend with him in heaven. We didn't get to see the unseen God, Jesus, physically, because he wasn't born at our time in history. But that doesn't mean that we can't see. See, we can see with the eyes of faith. Our God, since the beginning of the world, continued to get closer and closer to us. And He continues to do that today. See, the one one thing that we can say about Jesus' life and death on earth 2,000 years ago is that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. See, I, I remember when I was a, a kid, the po- I would get at times the post-Christmas blues. Um, when I would open that la- very last present on Christmas. See, my birthday is on Christmas Day, so I think it was especially hard on me. I would open up presents on Christmas Eve, then I would get to open up my birthday presents on Christmas Day, but, but after that last present Christmas Day, then it would hit me. I have a whole year to wait until I get more presents. But the gift that God gave to mankind on Christmas Day wasn't the last gift that we receive until we finally get to be with God forever and eternity. Look at what it says. He says in in John chapter 1, From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. And the original language says that we have received grace upon grace, one blessing after another. It's true. Uh, remember what Jesus said before he went up into heaven? Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we could talk all day long about how God has blessed us over and over again in our lives. He's blessed us physically. He's blessed us spiritually. But let's just focus on one specific blessing today. God's presence. Jesus' presence with us. He promises right there, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, His presence isn't any less real now than when He was physically and visibly here 2,000 years ago. His presence continues to comfort us. And yet his presence continues to draw closer to us when he gives you something else, not just a promise, but he gives you something else. He gives you his presence in the Lord's Supper, the unique real presence of Jesus Christ, his flesh and his blood hidden, but truly there in the bread and the wine to give you peace that you need inside of that you need inside of the forgiveness of those sins that came from that sinful nature that continues to live inside of you. He gives you that body and blood and the bread and wine so that you can visibly see the forgiveness of sins and the removal of shame and guilt that comes with the horrible sins of our past. But then he draws even closer to us than that. See, throughout the history of the world, your God desired to be with you. Throughout the history of the world, he got closer and closer until finally, as it says, our Savior Jesus was born and God dwelled among us. He tented among us. Jesus coming to earth was just the beginning. He would get even closer to us than living among us for 33 years. He would get even closer to us than giving us His body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Do you want to see God? Well, you can't because He's so close to you, you can't even see Him. (laughs) Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Your God didn't just want to live with us. He wanted to live inside of us, to change what was inside of us. His presence in us reflects in the things that we do and say. So do you want to see the unseen God? Look at the Christian who is not giving in, but is fighting temptation. Look at the Christian who bites his tongue when he is about to lose his patience. Look at the Christian who rejoices in the promises of God when he is reminded of his sins of the past. Every once in a while, you will see proof of the unseen God living among us. Our God is inside of us, changing us from the inside out until finally the image of God is perfectly restored in us so that we can live with Him forever in eternity. Amen.